right, church, how we doing, everybody? So good to see you. So good to see you. I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's watching right now via the interwebs online. And, of course, everybody who's over at that south side, south campus, south campus, we love you. We love you right here at the north campus, at the south campus, and online. And the best way that we can show you that is by clapping for you. So come on. Somebody put your hands together and welcome somebody sitting next to you. So glad that you're here today. Uh, before we jump into our content, I want to encourage you to join us this Wednesday. Everybody say this Wednesday. Come on, everybody say this Wednesday. This Wednesday. What's happening this Wednesday? We are having our first Wednesday, and uh, it's where we pray, it's where we worship, and I want to encourage you to join us on Zoom, okay? So we're on Zoom this Wednesday. We're going to be praying about some of the exciting things that our church is experiencing right now and some of the exciting things that we have in front of us. So I want to encourage you to join us. It's going to be powerful. Uh, there is power in prayer. There is power in prayer. If you didn't know it, it's true. There is power in prayer. So when we come together, even on Zoom, I mean, you know, God can even use Zoom. He can use Zoom. When we come together on Zoom, we're praying together. There is power there, and God is going to go before us in a powerful way. And if you believe it, say, I do. Well, I'm glad that you do. Uh, join us this week, this Wednesday on Zoom. All right. Well, hey, we are in this series. We're doing a series called Follow. And the reason we are doing a series called Follow is because everybody follows somebody. Everybody follows somebody. Even the trendsetter, even the person who is unique, even the person who's a rebel, who's a nonconformist, you follow somebody, right? Someone designs the clothes that you wear, the music you listen to, the movies you watch, the opinions you have. It's all been carefully curated and crafted by somebody else. We all follow somebody. That's why it's really important to know who you follow. And I believe that that's why Jesus, when he calls his disciples, he doesn't ask them to change the world. He doesn't ask them to preach the gospel. He doesn't ask them to heal the sick, although they would do all of those things. All he asks them to do is follow. He says two words, very simple. He says, follow me. When you watch when he calls them, when he goes to them, when he meets them where they are and he interacts with them, he just says, follow me. And in those two words, he unlocks incredible opportunity for them. Un uh, unbelievable impact is had because they start following him. And so we've been trying to break this down for us and say, okay, what does it mean for us? Because Jesus says the same thing to you and me. God has a great plan that he wants to see happen in our lives. God has something amazing that he wants to unlock in us and through us. And those things happen when we simply, we break it down. It's simple. It's not about a bunch of rules. It's not about jumping through emotions. It's not about going through religious exercises. It's all about following Jesus. That's how simple it is. That's how simple faith is. If you, just right where you are, will start moving in God's direction, God will unlock unlimited potential and promise in your life. That's what God has for us. And so we're, we're, okay, but what does that look like? What does that look like? That's what we're talking about in this series. And so week one, we saw how John the Baptist shows us humility. So it takes humility to follow Jesus. Second week, we talked about how Matthew shows us faith. Uh, then we talked about the widow and how she was 110% all in, full on. And then today, we're going to take a little test 
to know if you're actually doing this or not, all right? So we're going to take a little test. Now, how many of you enjoy a little test? How many enjoy tests at all? Anybody just really like taking tests? There's always like three people, three sick, crazy people in every service, three or four people who are just like, just weird. I mean, the rest of us, can we just be honest, tests are from the devil. Come on, anybody else know what I'm talking about? I could not wait to be done taking tests. When I walked out of my last college class, took my last final, I walked out, I looked at the teacher, I said, take that, sucker. Like, no, I didn't say that. But that's how I felt. (laughs) That's how I felt. I was so ready to be done taking tests. I couldn't wait. But you know what? Here's the reality in life. We are always taking tests, aren't we? Life is full of tests. Whether you're in school or not, there's constant tests that we're taking. And so uh, being a follower of Jesus is a really important thing, right? It's a, it's a really significant thing. And so I thought we would just take a test to find out if you're actually a follower. So the hosts are going to pass out some tests here. And uh, I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, really? These people are crazy. No, uh, no we're not going to do that. Um, but, but there is a way. There is a way for us to know, there's, some, like, there's a little test that we can take to find out if we're a follower or not. Because some people are just fans. A lot of people are fans of Jesus. Like, oh man, isn't Jesus cool? Yeah, but are you a follower of Jesus? There's a way to know. And actually, actually there's two ways. There's two ways that you know. There's two tests that, that you can take that get taken regularly, if you will. The first is if the Spirit bears witness in your heart. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Does the Spirit bear witness in my heart? Paul the Apostle says this in Romans chapter 8. He says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So what happens in Christianity is when you put your faith in Jesus, when you start becoming a follower of, of Christ at salvation, when you cross over from unbelief to belief what happens is when you go to pray like even if you're not perfect in your follow which we've established clearly over the last several weeks that that none of us are perfect even if you're not perfect in your follow when you go to pray there's a connection that happens with God and when even just a few moments ago like when we were worshiping if like when you're worshiping in the presence of God if you, if you feel that connection, like, I am a child of God, like the spirit bearing witness, like, oh, God, thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, I'm not perfect. I've got my issues. But, Lord, thank you that you are bearing witness with my spirit right now that I am a child of God. If you have that, then, you, then you, that's test one, okay? So that's, that's test one. Test two is different, and it has everything to do with love, the love we have for others. It's love. It's love. Doesn't that sound sweet? Everybody say, oh. Oh, it's just love. Isn't it sweet? Do we have love for each other? In fact, that really is the test. I'm going to show you how, how big of a deal this is. In John chapter 13, Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another. I want you to love one another. Now, he's talking to his disciples in this. So he's He's talking to disciples. He's talking to Christians. And he says, I want you to love one another. And this is how he wants us to do this. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will will know that you are my disciples. 
if you love one another. So you could say this is a test for us to know, but really this is a test for everybody to know. Here's what's amazing. Not like your ACT score where you're the only one who knows or your SAT score or your driver's license. I mean, how many know that you've failed that thing a couple of times before you get it right? Like, you know, your driver's license. Now, it could be a, a couple of tests that you could take that where you're the only one who knows it. Everybody will know if you're a follower by the love you have for other Christians. That's kind of crazy. That's kind of far-reaching in its implication. Love. It sounds so simple. It sounds so easy. It sounds so admirable. It sounds so hippie, right? Like peace, love. But you know what? It's really, really challenging, isn't it? Like, I kind of wish Jesus just would have been like, hey, here are the 16 things you need to do every day. And as long as you do these 16 things, you're in. I wish he would have done that because that's easy. I can knock that out and then live however I want. Jesus says, no, it's how you love. I wish Jesus would have said, hey, if you go on two outreaches a month, if you say three nice things to six different people every day, if you pray five times, turn around, sit down, bow your head. Well, if you do those things, then you're in. But he does, and he says, I want you to love. It's so much, far, it's so much more far-reaching in its implications, isn't it? And this is what Jesus always does. He always appeals to the deeper ethic. He always appeals to the greater issue. He's always looking for the deeper thing. He's saying, I want to speak to the heart, and then I'll change the hand. He's saying, I want you to know, I want you to love. I want you to love each other. And then, okay, all right, that sounds really challenging, Jesus. How do we do that? And th then he tells us, as I have loved you. As I've loved you. Now, this is huge. Think about this for a moment. That's a pretty bold statement. How many of us can say to anybody, I want you to love other people as I've loved you? Can anybody say that? I can, the only people I can say that to are people that I've just met for the first time. You know what I'm saying? I've had no interaction with, no responsibility for, you know, I haven't had any chances to rack up some, like, regrets. But I, I can't say that to anybody that I've really spent any time with. Certainly not those that are close to me. I can't say that to my wife for sure. I, I could never tell my wife, I want you to love other people as I have loved you. Otherwise, I have to give her like 65 qualifiers for that week. Love people as I've loved you, except for that one time I didn't get off the couch when you bring the groceries in. Except for that one time when I was checking my sports scores as you were telling me about your day. With my kids, I couldn't say that. I couldn't say that to anybody, really, but Jesus can say it to everybody because Jesus is perfect, and he loved perfectly. Think about how significant that is. He's telling these guys who he'd spent a lot of time with over three different years saying, I want you to love as I have loved you. Now, it's important to know when that verse comes. When, when is Jesus saying this? Because this verse comes right after one of the most significant stories, one of the most significant moments in Jesus' life. And it's found right after the Last Supper, right before he's going to go to the cross, 
and he gets these guys together. He's having a meal with them, and he's giving them the, the final instructions. This is what life's going to be. And this, I always like to pay very close attention to what happens right in this moment. Because Jesus is really making sure these disciples are ready, and, he's, and he washes their feet. See, this happens after he washes their feet after the evening meal, and he shows them what love looks like. And he says, now I want you to love like I've loved. Now, uh, I, back in the day, I haven't played as much anymore, but back in the day, I used to like playing me some ping pong. Anybody else like to play ping pong at both campuses? I mean, it's, it's the sport of champions. I mean, you can break up a sweat right there in your living room. There's just, it's awesome. And uh, so I, I used to like to play. I didn't mess around. I only used uh, three star balls. If you know ping pong, you know, okay? I didn't mess around with one star balls. Three star balls. That's what you want, okay? That's legit level. I had, a, I had my own paddle, all right, that had its own case. That's how I showed up ready to play, okay? So I'm not messing around. And, and, there's a lot in ping pong, like tennis, like volleyball, that is determined by the serve. And you see like how these people, when they play the Olympics, right, like they, they go up and, and then, they, then they like jump back and they're doing this thing, you know. Like it's amazing. It's incredible. And, and it all starts with that serve. A lot of victory is determined in the serve. And Jesus is giving us that very idea in this message. A lot of victory is going to come in the serve. Because if you want to love like Jesus, you have got to serve like Jesus. If you want to love, how are you loving? Are you a follower? How do you know? Are you serving like Jesus? That's a big deal. And I want to give us the story. And I want to look at Jesus' life. And then we're going to walk away with these implications. We're going, to, we're going to help ourselves know what it means to find and follow Jesus. If you're ready, jump in and say, I am. All right, John chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn it up. If you have your phones, you can pull them up on your phones. If you watch on the screen as well. We'll have it up there. But John chapter 13, we're reading from the New International Version. It says this, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Now, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, check this out. He just got done eating. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Skip down to verse 12. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so you should wash one another's feet. I have set an example, so that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now pause for a moment before I read that last verse. Very interesting. Jesus gets done eating. They're all hanging out, and he starts washing their feet. 
This, was some, this is something that would have been done by the, the servant in the room. But there was no servant in the room. And Jesus says, I'm going to be the servant in the room. I'm going to get down. I'm going to wash feet. Now, here's the thing about this. If Jesus, if like this was something that was like totally disconnected from how Jesus had lived all three years, how many know that have been like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing, Jesus? Like, you never serve us. See, this wasn't a one-off. This was actually the fulfillment of what Jesus had been doing. This was actually the exclamation point of Jesus' ministry. He's saying, I'm a, I've shown you all what I'm about. I came as a servant. The Bible says that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. So he came and he served and he, and he, and he lived and he, and, he, and he ultimately is about to die for them in this moment. And he's saying, this is what it's all about. He says, it's about loving others. And the way you know that you're loving others is by serving others. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. He says, love as I love. What Jesus wants to do is improve our serve. How is your serve? Because much of the victory that you experience in your Christian life will come from your serve. And so I want to give, I want to give us three things that we can focus on. Three things that as the fruit of the Spirit bears in our life, we will do these things intrinsically because Jesus did these things. We serve like Jesus by doing three things, and it's this, meeting people where they are, making people better, and then being willing to sacrifice. This is a challenging word. This will be an encouraging word to you, but this is a challenging word to all of us because, man, there's no escaping this. If we want to love like Jesus, we've got to serve like Jesus. We want to walk through these things, and we're going to walk away better. And uh, before we do, why don't you find two people and say, we've got to improve our serve. Find two people right next to you and just tell them, hey, we've got to improve our serve. We've got to improve our serve. Okay. First thing is this. If we want to serve like Jesus, we've got to meet people where they are. We serve, we serve like Jesus by meeting people where they are. Jesus met people where they were. He meets his disciples where they are. And in this moment, as he's washing their feet, he's meeting them at their lowest point, their feet. Get it? Their lowest point? Some of you think about that later in a hit. Uh, he's meeting them at their lowest point. But he's also meeting them at their point of greatest need. And I'll talk about, I'll, I'll unpack that here in a second. But can we just talk about the fact that he's washing their feet? And that is significant. Because feet are nasty. Can I get an amen? Like, it's nasty. Um, I'm not a feet guy. Not a foot guy. I don't like feet. Like, even, even my wife, sweet, cute, I love her. She's precious. But we're cuddling, and I have my, my socks off, and she comes up with her socks off, and she comes, and she puts her feet on my feet. I'm like, get those feet off of me. I don't want, I don't care, I don't care if they're clean, I don't care. I just don't want them. Just get, just, just keep them away, keep the socks on. Can I get an amen? Like, keep the socks on. And, you know, we're about to go into summer, which is my favorite season. And I, I like wearing flip-flops occasionally. I think it's appropriate with clean feet. I think it's appropriate. And if your feet are presentable, I think it's, appro I think it's appropriate. But sometimes, some of y'all, your feet aren't presentable, and you need to keep those things covered up. Can I get an amen? Like, just keep them covered up 
And, and, and hey, legitimate issues. I understand. Funguses, I, you know, I, I get it. They're legitimate issues. Again, keep them covered. There's nothing worse than being at a barbecue, you're showing up, and you're about to, you know, get into some ribs, and you look down, and you see someone's nasty feet that have not been trimmed in years with fungus all up, and you're like, I'll eat later. Like, there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than nasty feet. This is, this is, now, there's some nasty feet in our day, and I get it, again. But in Jesus' day, there were really nasty feet. Really na- everybody, everybody wore sandals all the time, and they're walking in dirt, and there's no running water, and, and they're walking where animals walk, and where animals use the restroom, and it's sewage, and they're walking through all of that. And then add to that, when they get to dinner, they don't sit at a table like we do up and where the feet are appropriately placed out of sight. They don't do that. They're, they're actually reclining on pillows and with at short tables, and their feet are in someone else's face. So as you're eating your meal, floppity flop over here is all up in your face. It's real. The struggle was real. And someone would have to wash the feet. And again, with Jesus, nobody, but see, here's the deal. It was usually done by the youngest or the, or the servant or whatever, but there was nobody who was willing to serve. None of the disciples had gotten it yet. None of the disciples had moved to that place like, oh, our job is to serve each other. And Jesus is like, this is a great opportunity for me to put the exclamation point on my ministry that what we're supposed to do is serve each other. So he gets down and he starts washing their feet. And he's meeting them where they are in their greatest point of need. Now, Jesus did this all the time. He was always meeting people where they were. You know, when he, when he calls his disciples, when he calls Peter, he shows up to Peter's boat. He gets in his boat, pushes off a little bit from shore. And he's like, hey, he's teaching the crowd. And then he's like, hey, Peter, let's go fishing. Did Jesus like fishing? I don't know. If you're a fisherman, you probably think that he did, right? Because we like to project ourselves onto Jesus, you know? I like to project my coffee addiction onto Jesus. I think Jesus probably wanted to just hang and drink coffee. But he's going to fish with Peter. Why? Because he's meeting Peter where he was. Matthew, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Where does he show up at, where, with Matthew? He shows up at the tax collector's table, right? He's meeting him where he was, in the middle of his sin, in the middle of him ripping off his own people. Paul the apostle, where does he show up with Paul? As he's on the road to Damascus, on his way to kill other Christians. Jesus always meets people where they were. And this is something so important for us to understand as the church. We have got to meet people where they are. We've got to meet people where they are. This, certainly this is true for new people. Certainly true for new people. New people who are coming into the faith. New people who aren't a part of the faith yet. We've got to meet them where they are. This is, this is so important. 
And the reason this is so important for us to preach to ourselves is because the church is historically really bad at doing this. Even though Jesus clearly told us we are a hospital for the sick because we're all sick and we all need continual healing. And we need to meet people where they are and help them get up out of where they are. This is the heart of Jesus, meeting people where they are. You know, Jesus wasn't upset. Jesus wasn't upset with God being like, God, I can't believe you. Father, I can't believe you sent me down here. I mean, these people, I mean, they're idiots. They're adding no value to my life at all. Like, they're just a drain. I mean, they don't understand anything about end times theology. I mean, Father, these guys are so behind. They don't know anything about what we're planning. He, did, he wasn't upset with their lack of Christianity because he understood what his role was, was to bring them Christianity. Is that, are you tracking with me? We can't, we can't ever get in the mode of just saying, man, I, I only want to be around people who are going to make me better. That's not our heart as Christians. Our heart as Christians is to meet people where they are, to go out of our way, to put down our priorities, our agendas, our interests, and be, and be where people are. We live in a society, don't we? We live in a society that is just so interesting. Social media, we're constantly just showing everybody how interesting we are. Did you see how, do you see what I did? Do you see, and, and, and honestly, it's just, it comes from, it comes from a lack, in my opinion, it comes from a lack of identity in Christ. And if we were just secure in our identity within Christ, we would have to be less interesting to everybody else. But we come across where we gotta be, I gotta be so interesting. Did you see how, did you see me? Did you see how much weight I lost? Did you see what I did? And there's nothing wrong with sharing, but when that, when your drive is just being interesting, you know what you end up being less? interested in others and you know what we need to be if we're going to be more like Jesus we need to be more interested and less interesting that's honestly where we need to be we need to be concerned with like where people are and what they're doing what's interesting to them and let me talk to me tell me about your story where are you at I want to meet you talk to me a little bit we can get engaged in what people are what they're going through and we can ask them questions it's a lost art, <laughs> asking questions. How are you? You know what we lead with? Here am I. <laughs> we need to change that, y'all. The church needs to change this. We need to be more interested and less interesting. Here's a pro tip on improving your serve. Ask more questions and give less answers. Ask more questions and give less answers. Ask people, hey, talk to me about your background. Talk to me about what you've been through. Talk to me about your experience. I want to learn. I'm interested in you because God is interested in you. If we did this, I'm telling you, we would be the church. We would be more like Jesus. Are you loving like Jesus? then you will serve like Jesus by meeting people where they are. Second thing, second thing, making people better. If you want to serve like Jesus, you will make people better. I love before and after pics 
they're like it's a lot of fun like if you do like a remodel on your house it's always fun to like, be like hey this is before then this is after look how much better it was or if you're on a weight loss journey and you know you lost all the weight you're like oh man this is before this is after like it's really fun to show that but you know what's not fun is showing a before picture like of what you looked like 20 years ago and then what you look like now you look at the 20 years ago oh that was so man wow that's and then you look at now and you're like oh where'd the hair go What's all of this? Yeah, you're just like, what happened? It doesn't look better usually 20 years later. With the power of science, though. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you look at Jesus and the disciples, he, their before and after picture, he, he always made them better. They always looked better after he'd spent time with them. Peter, he looked a lot different after spending time with Jesus. And then even as close to the resurrection, after the resurrection, here's a guy who was afraid to be strong in his faith in one moment. And then, and then after the resurrection, he preaches one of the most bold, strong sermons ever preached. Goes on to do great things for God. You know, here's Matthew, who's this tax collector. He's a cheater. He's a professional cheater. He's a mobster, a gangster. And he goes on to this teller of truth, writer of the gospel. You have Thomas, who's the doubter. He's the skeptic. He doesn't believe. And then he turns into someone who boldly believes and goes to India to be a missionary and share the good news. Every time someone's with Jesus for an extended amount of time, they're better after spending time with him. They're better for it. Jesus adds value wherever he goes. Now, of course, he has the ultimate value, right? Salvation. Of course he does. But you know what he also does? He made them better in every aspect of their lives. He just did. He added value constantly. In fact, that's how he reached them. And that's how he loved them, by adding value. He became less to make them more. He humbled himself to make them great. He brought himself low to raise them up. He just was good to them because that's who God is. Do you know God just wants to be good to people? And you know what? It's okay if we're just conduits of that goodness, whether they deserve it and whether, or, or whether they don't. I'm just going to be good to people. I'm going to add value to people. What do people need? What do they need? What do you need? I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there. Like, that's what the church is supposed to be. We love each other by serving each other, by making each other better, no matter where we are. We just add value. How can I make your life better? Salt and light. Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, hey, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Your job is to make people's lives better and brighter. That's what he's saying. And what he also says is that your good deeds, when you do that, when you do that, when you just are kind to people, when you're just gracious to people, when you love people, when you serve people, when you make people better, do you know what's going to happen? People are going to be like, man, that is so weird. Why would you do that? Well, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my Savior who left heaven, came to earth, 
lived and died for me. Because of that, I'm doing this. We just add value. Just add value. Wherever we go, we're just adding value. We're bringing out the God flavors in the world, and we point people to truth. Let me ask you. Here's a question. I know this, this is the test. Test time is not fun, but it's worthy. Are people better after spending time with you? Simple question. Are people more encouraged in their faith after spending time with you? Are they more challenged to believe God for big things after spending time with you? Are they closer to Jesus? Did you just leave them better? Are they happier? I mean, simply, straight up, are they just happier? After spending time, are they like, oh no, here they come again. <laughs> I'm challenged by this. I'm challenged by this. Are your neighbors happy to see you pulling down the street? We got to think about this. Jesus came. He met people where they were, and he made them better. I was thinking about this, and I'm preaching this to myself all week. And I was thinking about my friend, uh, Rob Thale, who I was a, maybe a, a freshman in high school. I might have been in eighth grade, eighth, eighth or ninth grade, when I met Rob. And Rob just started like, he was a youth leader. He wasn't the youth pastor, but he was a youth leader in the youth group. And I just remember Rob would just, every time, like wherever Rob was was a good time. Like, you know these people? Like they bring the party with them. Wherever they are, they're a party. You know, aren't they the best? And, 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 and Rob was, a, he, he, was just, he was just effervescent, but he loved Jesus. I mean, he was full on for Christ. So when Rob would show up, he'd be like, oh, man, isn't this great? Yeah. Let's play some ping pong. Let's shoot some basketball. I mean, he's terrible at basketball. You know, but he's just like, let's play. Let's do whatever. Like, I mean, it was just like, let's, let's, have a, let's, have, let's have a good time. And Rob always, he always added value. And, he's, and then he starts showing up to my lunches at school. And no, nobody, else, like, nobody else had like older friends who were like college age, out of college, showing up through the lunches. So I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a big deal. And people are showing up. Yeah, it's, it's Rob. You know, it's such a big deal. Like, just he showed up, and he's hanging out with me, and he's encouraging me. And then he started buying me books, like Andrew Murray, Charles Spurgeon, George Whitfield, John Wesley, biographies of these famous preachers. And, he's, and he, wrote, he wrote on the covers of them, on the inside cover, Scott, I just believe God's doing great things in your life. I could see God all over you. God's got a great plan for your life. He just added value. And I'm, I'm honest, straight up honest with you today. I don't know if I'm here. I don't know if I'm serving God today, but I, without that interaction. That's, that's what we're called to be. We're called to add value. Just go. Let's make people better. Let's just, add, wherever we are, we're adding value just like Jesus did. And the third thing is this. We've got to be willing to sacrifice. We serve like Jesus by being willing to sacrifice. I mean, think about this. Jesus is washing their feet. 
Again, we talked about how nasty that was. Nobody else wanted to do it. Here's Jesus doing it. And then, it's the ultimate sacrifice by dying on the cross. And the point that he's trying to communicate is, I want you to go the extra mile. And it's something that he had talked about in Matthew chapter 5, again, the Sermon on the Mount. It says, you've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the other cheek as well. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Now, what's he talking about there? In that day, a Roman soldier could come and, and make you carry their equipment, but only one mile. And so they would, they would walk and they'd be, you know, measuring out the, the distance. And as soon as at one mile, they'd be like, see ya. Like, that's how they would approach it. And Jesus says, you make a statement to that person about who your God is and what you're most about by picking that back up. You'd be like, oh, no, you can let it go. We're done with one mile. No, I'll, I'll go with you another mile. Well, why? That'd be a great personal expense to you. That would be a great, of great sacrifice to you. That would cost you a lot to do that. That's a lot of energy expended. That's a lot of time wasted doing that. Yeah, but what do you communicate to them? Who your God is. And your God isn't your comfort. And your God isn't your convenience. And your God isn't your feelings. Your God is the one who spoke the world into existence, but then came into the world and laid himself down for the world. That's what Jesus came in. This verse that's been messing with me all series long is Romans chapter 5. I love this verse. In the message, it says, but God put his love on the line. He initiated. He laid it all on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. He laid it all on the line. He did it first. He did it most. And what, and what the, the takeaway for us is this. Man, we got to live sacrificially. We've got to live sacrificially. And we, we kind of planted some seeds for this last week, right? We talked about being all in. What does it look like? Well, it looks like being sacrificial. It looks like personally sacrificing so that other people can win. It looks like personally giving of your time and your talent and your treasure so that other people can find and follow Jesus too. Not so that we can collect a bunch more for our stuff and just keep hoarding and collecting and gaining and gathering. It's by laying our life down so that others can experience all that God has for them. What if we did that, church? What if we became less self-absorbed Less self-consumed. What if when the world saw the church, they saw people who were serving and loving and caring for each other and meeting each other where they were and making them better through great sacrifice of time, talent, and treasure. What if the world saw a bunch of people living that way and said, I want me some of that. Where, where do you get that? Be like, oh, let me tell you. His name's Jesus. That's the goal. That's the goal. Jesus did this. He told the disciples to do this. And guess what? They did it. Acts chapter 4, all the believers. This is after Jesus is gone. Now, this is the church, early church. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. 
what? That's crazy. With great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. With great power, uh, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Nobody had any needs because everybody's just taking care of each other. For, for, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. That's so crazy. That is so nuts. But that's, that's what they did because that's who Jesus was. And that's what Jesus wants to do. Now, let me just ask you, wouldn't, wouldn't that be cool if when the world saw the church, they didn't see us backbiting and fighting and criticizing? They saw a bunch of different people from all different backgrounds coming together and saying, for the sake of Christ and by the Spirit of God, we will love and serve and care for each other as God intended us to do. That kind of church changes the world. Those are the followers that God has created us to be. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you so much. So much, Lord, for the goodness and the grace of God. Thank you, Lord, for your, your spirit. God, this is such a it's an encouraging word, but God, it is also a testing word. It is a challenging word. Because our, our tendency is to live for ourselves, and Lord, our tendency is to put ourselves forward. And I, I know, God, I feel, I feel conviction in this message because this challenges, this challenges so much of who I am. I pray that, God, you would help us to be people who live this out. Help us to be a church that meets each other where they are, their needs, their, their, their desires, their hurts, their pains. Help us ask more questions. Help us make people better. Help us add value to people, all the people around us, Lord. Help us to find ways just to make people better and be willing to do whatever it takes. Let that spirit rest on us, Lord. Let that spirit rest on us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to take a moment. I just want to ask you because we're doing business with God and God's speaking to our hearts, but there's a primary thing and an initial thing that God has to speak to us in order for any of this to happen, and it's, it's to be in relationship with him. And so if you're here today and you're saying, you know, Scott, you're talking about being in a relationship with God. I don't even know if I am. Well, the good news is God wants you to be. God wants, God wants you to know him and experience him and be in relationship with him. And uh, he will change you from the inside out if you let him. He will. It's as simple as making a decision to follow Christ. Where you put your faith in him, you stop trusting in yourself. You become less so that he can become more. He can become the greater thing in your life. And... That has to happen in order for you to have a relationship with God because we come with sin. That's reality. We come with sin. And we have to, we have to lay that sin at the feet of Jesus and trust it to him because he's paid the price for it. And that separates us from God, but God wants us to be right with him because of Jesus. And if that's you today and you're saying, man, I'm not right, but I want to be. It's a simple act of faith, but the, the follow journey is amazing. And it will be amazing. 
if we'll open up our heart to him. If you're here today and you're, you're watching this, you're at the South Campus, you're watching online, you're saying, you know what? I don't know God, but I want to. I'm away from him. Maybe, maybe for the first time you'd be making a decision, for the first time in a long time, you're like, I need to get right with God. If that's you and you're saying, this is speaking right to me all across this place, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. I'm going to say, and you say, God, I want all that you have. If you're here at the North Campus, you're at the South Campus, you're watching online, you're here today and God is speaking to you and you know you need to make a decision to follow Christ, would you lift your hand all across this place? Say, man, that's me. Pray for me. Hands are going up. It's awesome. South Campus, watching online, hands going up. I just want to pray for every person. Father, I pray for every person who's reaching out for you, Lord. I pray that you would, you would bring them into alignment with you, Lord, that there would be a grace that happens in their life, that newness of life, that the old would pass away and all things would become new and the presence of our great and glorious God because of your mercies, Lord, let it happen. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, church? So many people raise their hands in this service. I know at the North Campus, at the South Campus, I'm believing as well, online. However, you're interacting with God right now, maybe for the, you're making a decision to follow Christ or maybe for us, we're just saying, God, I want you to have every aspect of me I want to meet people where they are. I want to make them better. I want to do whatever it takes. Wherever you're at in that journey, would you just lift your hands across this place and offer your life and surrender and say, God, I want you to have it all. I want you to have it all. So speak to me, Lord. Let me live this out. Help me to live this out. To be less about myself. To be less about my desires. To be less about my comfort. Less about my convenience. Less about my feelings and more about your call, God. Let it happen. Let me, let me increase my follow. Let me improve my serve today, right now in this moment, Lord, by your spirit. I can't do this on my own, but Lord, you can do it. And I pray that you would have your way in my life. Have your way in my heart, Lord God. And I just give it all to you and I thank you for it. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.